Thank you, Brandon. Happy New Year, everyone. Let's open our Bibles to the Word of God that will abide forever. Hebrews chapter 13 is where I want to start 2022. Our focus is going to be on verse 8 this morning, but I'd like to read from verses 1 through 9. Hear the living and abiding word of our God. Hebrews 13, beginning at verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them, and the mistreated as as though you yourself were suffering bodily. Marriage is to be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Therefore, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. This is God's word. Please join me in prayer. Blessed Lord, you have caused your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. We pray that you would grant us in such a way to hear them, to read them, to mark them, to learn and inwardly digest your scriptures, that by patience and by the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, one of the things I've come to expect at the beginning of a new year is that we never can know what to expect in the new year. 2021 brought both joys and sorrows that we didn't anticipate, that we couldn't have predicted, and I'm sure the same will be true in 2022. Change is inevitable. By the end of this new year, Some of you will welcome new children into your home, either by adoption or by birth. Some of you will meet the person that you will end up marrying. That could happen in this year, and you don't even know that person yet. Uh, Some of you will change jobs this year. Others will graduate from college or from high school this year. We'll make new friends this year, some who will be with us for a lifetime. 
Circumstances are going to change at church and in our lives. People will move away. New people will come. We're going to say goodbye to loved ones who have gone before us into glory this year. All these changes we can expect, but we don't know exactly what to expect in a new year. And that's good. Sometimes change is a good thing. Who would want to live in a world where nothing ever changes, where everything is the same? We're grateful for the changes that God brings into our lives. We like newness. Everyone searches for a little bit of adventure. No one wants to stay the same. And that's one of the great hopes of being a Christian is that Jesus is constantly changing us. He's molding us into his image and to his likeness. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't leave you the way you are? Think about this. There are some people in your life right now who are going to be dramatically changed by Jesus Christ this year. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there are people for whom you have been praying that God is going to intervene in their lives this year? Some people are going to be born again into newness of life, converted to become followers of Jesus Christ because we have a God who changes people. So change is often a good thing. But as much as we like things to be new and fresh, we also love to come home at the end of the day to a place that's familiar, a place that's warm, a place that's inviting, a place that doesn't change. We crave normalcy. We like to feel at home. We have a hard time sometimes accepting change in our lives. It's unsettling. I remember when our kids were younger, we used to go very often on Tuesday nights to this restaurant on Lake Street that had uh, fresh made tortillas and it was fajita night and you could feed the whole family for about 20 bucks and it was so good. And then they changed their whole menu and they changed the name of the restaurant and it's never been the same. And still, like 20 years later, when we drive past that place, we think of Carmelitas and what once was. I think of a friend of mine who during high school, we shared some great experiences together. He was in our wedding, but then something changed and we stopped talking and we no longer are connected with one another. Those kinds of changes are hard. Life is full of surprising, sometimes shocking and life altering changes. And our hearts get sick of living in a world that is constantly changing. One poet said, oh, change and time are storms for lives so thin and frail as ours. Change and time are storms for lives so thin and frail as ours. We long for stability. We long for a rock on which we can depend, a hope that is immovable. So I point you to this rock on this first Sunday of 2022. It's in verse eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Change is inevitable, but Jesus Christ is immutable. He does not change. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus is the same old, same old all the time. Jesus is never boring. Jesus is never predictable. 
Jesus is never manageable or controllable by us. Jesus is full of glorious surprises, and he is able to do above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. As the hymn says, ponder anew what the Almighty will do if with his love he befriend you. But there is, in Jesus Christ, a rock-solid dependability. There is, in Jesus Christ, an unshakable stability, a firm foundation on which you can build your life. There is, in Jesus, an unassailable refuge for us. It's in this truth that, that theologians call the immutability of God, that God does not change. I paraphrase the theologian R.C. Sproul here. God is what he always has been, and he will be forever. That doesn't mean he is static or paralyzed or in a state of inertia. He is not Aristotle's unmoved mover, perpetually inert. No, God is active. God moves. He moves over the waters. He moved over Israel. He moves over the nations. He moves over his church. But God's being is changeless. There is no mutation in God. He is pure, absolute being. In him, there is no becoming. He has no potential left to be realized at some future point. His being never changes. That's the doctrine of the immutability of God. His character never changes. His perfections never change. His purposes never change. His promises never change. And of our Lord Jesus Christ, the writer to the Hebrews says, Jesus Christ never changes. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. And I want you to just think about the name that the writer of the Hebrews uses here for a minute. Jesus Christ. As Patrick beautifully preached last week, God said to the angel, through the angel to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus means savior. The Lord saves. Christ signifies that Jesus is God's anointed one. He is God's anointed prophet who brings God's final word to us. He is God's anointed priest who gives us full and final and perpetual access into the presence of God. He is God's anointed king who rules forever, whose throne will remain for all eternity. Jesus Christ is the same. And when the writer to the Hebrews says this, in the context to the letter of the Hebrews, it's a profound affirmation of the full deity of Jesus Christ. He is 100% undiluted, undiminished God. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. Look at the beginning of the eighth verse where we read these words. Speaking of our Savior Jesus. But of the Son, he says... Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. 
Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And then it says this, you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up, like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. So what is this saying? The earth as we know it, and the universe are going to perish like an old garment that needs to be thrown into the trash. God's going to roll up this earth and all the galaxies of the universe, and he's going to put them away. But Jesus Christ, being fully God, is going to remain the same. And his years will have no end. And he is going to reign forever in a new creation. And he's going to be the light and the sun of that new creation. Jesus Christ is eternal. He is unchangeable. He is immutable in his being, in his wisdom, in his power, in his holiness, in his justice, in his righteousness, and in his truthfulness, and in everything that there is to say about Jesus. You can count on it being true forever. We can always count on Jesus. You can depend on his wisdom because his word never changes. You can trust his counsel because he has a proven track record. You can rest secure in his love because he's not going to love you one day and then feel cold to you the next. You can trust in his faithfulness and in his power. He will never let you down. As he has been, he forever will be. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let's think about those three, three time aspects. First, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. This, this is the outline of the message, so it's pretty easy. Yesterday, today, forever. We, didn't, we don't even need slides today. I think you can all remember that. Yesterday, today, forever. So yesterday. It matters that Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday because we need to remember that he's the same Jesus that our forefathers knew and worshipped. He's the same Jesus that I heard my Nana Hazel singing about when she'd drive through the streets of Kenosha with me in the back seat. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing. He makes life sweeter every day as it goes. She would sing of Jesus, and she, the, the, the Jesus of my Nana Hazel is the Jesus of today. He's the Jesus of the great saints who've gone before us. He's the Jesus of the apostles, Paul and Peter and James. The same Jesus they knew and trusted is the Jesus we know and trust today. He hasn't changed. Everything he was to them, he will be to us. That's why the writer of the Hebrews says in verse 7, remember your leaders. They were with you for a time. They influenced your life. You heard their teaching, but now they're gone. Some of them have been moved to another place. Others of them have gone ahead to be with Jesus. Remember them. Think about the outcome of their life. Imitate 
their faith. They spoke God's word to you. They endured hardship and opposition as an example to you. Remember them, imitate them, but don't idolize them. Look to Jesus Christ. He's the same today as he was to them yesterday. You can count on the presence of Jesus just as surely and just as strongly as they did. But yesterday points back then, further back than just a few generations. Yesterday points us all the way back to Jesus' life on earth. The writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews 5, 7, and 8, in the days of Jesus' flesh, when he walked on earth, when he learned obedience through the things he suffered, it speaks of him offering up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. And what the writer of the Hebrews is saying here in Hebrews 13, 8, is that Jesus who walked on earth, the Jesus who we could see and touch and feel and handle, who prayed to his father while he was on earth, this Jesus is still the same today. And the way we know Jesus Christ is by going back to yesterday, to the Jesus Christ of history, to his recorded life and teachings in the Gospels to the Old Testament, which is the very word of God that Jesus read and that Jesus relied on and that Jesus trusted as inerrant and infallible and sufficient for every need. We don't access Jesus today through mystical experiences or through private revelations from God. We don't define who Christ is based on our own ideas or our own religious feelings and aspirations. No, we have an historical faith. It's rooted in reality. We read about him in the Bible. We experience him by reading and hearing preached this living and active word of God that Hebrews says is sharper than a double-edged sword. In this word, we have what we sing, truths unchanged from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity. Through, through this word, we encounter today the Jesus Christ of history, the Jesus Christ of yesterday. And we see that he's the same Today And that's our second point this morning. He is the same today. How crucial it is for us to recognize that the Jesus we read about in the Bible is the Jesus who is alive and who is active in the world today through his spirit. In March, we're going to start a series through the, the book of Acts. And I love how the book of Acts begins. It talks about Luke, the gospel of Luke, And then Acts is like the second volume of Luke's gospel. And he says at the beginning of the book of Acts, in the first book, O Theophilus, who's the guy he's writing to, I wrote to you about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until his ascension. Do you get that? That's so important. Acts is saying, Jesus isn't done doing and teaching Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, but he is still doing and teaching things in the world today through his spirit. He's alive and he's active today. As we read the word of God, we encounter the living Christ, the Christ of history who is alive today, who is searching us through his word, who is speaking to us today. 
This also is an emphasis in the book of Hebrews. Listen to Hebrews 3, verses 12 through 15. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So you hear the emphasis there? Today, the voice of Jesus Christ is speaking. Today, the Lord Jesus Christ is working in people's lives. And today, we need to respond to him and not harden our hearts. This is because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually told his disciples, it's good for you if I go away, if I ascend to the Father. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go away, the Holy Spirit will come to you. And through the Holy Spirit, we who are believers today experience the presence of the living Christ immediately and all over the world, just as real as his disciples who walked with him on the streets of Galilee experienced him. We all can have a living, vital experience with the Christ of history today. We're not impoverished. We're not at a disadvantage from the disciples of the first century. In fact, Jesus said it's better for us because we can experience him in a direct way that they could not through the work of the Holy Spirit. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, this should affect the way we think about our relationship with Jesus, the fact that he is the same today as he was yesterday. And this is how he put it. Anything that Jesus has ever done, he can do now. Anything that Jesus has done anywhere else, he can do here. Anything that Jesus has done for anyone else, he can do for you. Anything that Jesus has ever done, he can do now. Anything that Jesus has done anywhere else, he can do here. Anything that Jesus has ever done for anyone else, he can do for you. Because he is the same today. Finally, Jesus Christ is the same forever. Forever. How precious that is to know. If the Christ of history, whom we have come to know and to enjoy and to trust and treasure today, if he could change in the future, then our future joy would be in jeopardy. But the writer of the Hebrews is telling you, oh no, there's no jeopardy here. Your future joy is secure because Jesus Christ is the same forever. You can always count on Jesus. You know what it's like to have a new friend or maybe fall in love with a person and you're enchanted by this person. You love being 
with this person. You treasure the relationship. You want to spend as much time as you can with this person. But you ever wonder in the back of your mind, what if this doesn't last? What if they go cold on me? What if she's not the same person a year from now or 10 years from now as she is today? What if he doesn't love me tomorrow the way he loves me today? Anyone ever have those worries, those fears about human relationships? We can be very insecure in human relationships because people are fickle. People are fallible. People change all the time. Charles Spurgeon said, be not surprised when friends fail you. It is a failing world. Never count upon immutability in man. Inconstancy you may reckon upon without fear of disappointment. If you don't want to be disappointed, just expect people to change on you. Expect inconstancy in human beings, Spurgeon said. But not so with Jesus In every change of our lives, he, faithful, will remain. And there's coming a time, because he guides the future as he has the past, there's coming a time when change and tears are all past and we'll be with Jesus safe and blessed in his presence and we'll look on him and we'll realize for all eternity We can count on him. We can depend on him because he's the same today as he was when he walked on earth thousands of years ago and he will be the same forever. And if you read through the book of Hebrews, you're going to see this emphasized again and again. Several times in Hebrews, it says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. His throne endures. His priesthood is forever. His promises and his purposes will remain forever. He is the son who has been made perfect forever. And therefore, Hebrews says, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he lives forever to make intercession for us. Jesus is the same forever. Everything he is for us today, he will be forever. And our enjoyment of him will never be diminished or disappointed. It will only grow. I love to read the Chronicles of Narnia when my kids were young. And I remember in the story, Prince Caspian, this this episode where C.S. Lewis is describing the Pevensey children and they're being summoned from our world back to Narnia the imaginary world. And Lucy's the first one to get a glimpse of the great lion king named Aslan. And at first she sees bright flashes. Then she is convinced it is him whom she has seen. And when he finally reveals himself to her, she says to him, Aslan, you seem to be bigger than I had remembered. And he says to her, that is because you are older, little one. Not because you are bigger, she asks. He says, I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. That's the experience we can expect in knowing Jesus Christ. He's the same forever. But every year we grow, we will find him bigger and bigger and bigger. 
for all eternity. So what applications can we draw from this beautiful verse? It's such a firm foundation for our lives. Let me draw out just a few. First, this truth that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever urges us as God's people to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and the way we live our lives. There should be a consistency to the lives of Christians that is the same no matter what generation we're in. In other words, if Christians from the first or second century came to live among us today, they should quickly recognize in our lives the same character, the same moral fiber that existed in their lives because we belong to the same Jesus Christ. And so the writer of the Hebrews, it, it, it seems like he's giving a series of kind of random exhor exhortations here at the end of the book, but they're not random at all. In verse one, he speaks about brotherly love, how that needs to continue. In verse two, hospitality to strangers. Verse three, ministry to prisoners. Verse four, fidelity in marriage, sexual faithfulness. Verses five and six, renouncing materialism. What is this? This is the character of Christ being lived out in Christ's people. When we belong to Jesus, there should be a sameness in the way Christians live. It shouldn't change in essence, from generation to generation or from culture to culture because we have the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're united to the same Lord and Savior. That's one application. Another application, I've already alluded to this. This truth helps us honor and appreciate and imitate the example of the leaders that Jesus has put in our lives but it reminds us not to idolize them. Twice in this chapter, in verse 7, and then again in verse 17, the writer of the Hebrews speaks about the leaders in the church, how we're to remember them, how we're to honor them, how we're to want to make their, their work a joy and not a burden. But we also need to remember not to idolize them because they will come and go. Only Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And he is the one we are always to look to. He is the one we are always to depend on, not on any human leader. We belong to Jesus, not to anyone else. A third application is that this truth, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It warns us to resist fads and to renounce false doctrine. That's what we read in verse nine. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. No, keep coming back to Christ. What would Jesus say? What would Jesus think? What would Jesus do? He's, he's our plumb line. He's the one we're to measure everything by. And he is the one who is full of grace and truth. And so the teaching that accords with Jesus Christ is going to be teaching that is full of grace and truth. And he says it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. A.W. Tozer wrote this, one of the most popular current errors and the one out of which springs most of the noisy, blustering religious activity today 
is the notion that as times change, the church must change with them. And I get it. In some ways, that's true. We don't want to live today as if we're in the 1600s. But the point Tozer is making here is that the lust for novelty and the fear of irrelevance has made the church in our generation not more powerful, not more relevant, but instead more worldly and more foolish. We need to hold true to the one who is unchanging. We need to make sure that we're not led astray by various kinds of strange teachings that take us away from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to rediscover the wisdom of Jeremiah the prophet who said this, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. One more application, number four. This truth also gives us grace to accept change in our lives. We need grace to accept change in our lives. Change in this world is inevitable. And change in our lives is needful. Do you agree with that? We need change. We want to change. We want to become more like the unchanging Christ. And by the Spirit, we are being changed so that we are increasingly becoming as lovely and as loving as Jesus himself is. That's what the Spirit is working in us. He's working to make us as lovely and as loving as Jesus Christ himself is. And he's going to bring about into our lives all kinds of changes. The Spirit isn't afraid to disrupt our lives if that's what will help us become more like Jesus. He's very happy to just say, okay, I'm going to move some things around here. I'm going to disrupt you so that you'll become more like him. But if we know him, who is the same yesterday and today and forever, there is enough ballast at the bottom of our boats, at the bottom of our lives, to keep us stable and steadfast and uncomplaining and joyful when the storms of change are rocking our boat uncomfortably. And I hope that helps you to think, to hold a little less tightly to your way, to life as you want it to be. Because when we cling too tightly to the way things are, and we're just determined that no matter what, they can't change, that can actually be a reflection of idolatry in our hearts. Instead of looking to him who is the same yesterday and today and forever, we can start to cling to things of this world, wanting them to be the same yesterday and today and forever. And the Holy Spirit's not going to let that happen. He's going to shake us up. He's going to disrupt our lives. He's going to keep being on the move in our lives because he wants us to become more and more like him who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love this statement by Scotty Smith. The scary becomes the sacred when we're wearing the lens of the gospel. The scary becomes the sacred when we're wearing the lens of the gospel. 
because we know that the unchanging Christ is carrying on his work in our lives. So when things start to feel scary, uncertain, unstable to us, those can actually become sacred moments when they cause us to look afresh to our unchanging Savior. We're not home yet. We live in a world that's full of restlessness, change, and conflict. As Hebrews says, here we have no lasting city, but we are looking for the city that is to come, where Jesus lives and dwells with his people, where we will be at home with him, and there's where we're going to be able to settle in. There's where we're going to be able to breathe easily. There's where we're going to be able to be rest in his unchanging embrace forever. Until then, may we hold loosely to everything but him, knowing that he will never loosen his grip on us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. We're going to sing one of my favorite hymns at this beginning of the new year. Abide with me. Fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me.